0: Everybody, it is Wednesday night, October 27th. We're creeping up, it's getting spooky around these parts. Uh, we got Sons of Saturday, Virginia Tech, previewing our game against the Georgia Tech Yellow, Te- Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets this evening and this Saturday. Uh, my name is Pat Finn. We're coming out of Charlotte, North Carolina, here this evening, and we got Sam Jesse host of the Locks of Saturday podcast up in
1: Whoville. Sam, what's going on, my friend? Well, I'm in Richmond, but not far away from Whoville, uh, about a 45-minute drive-ish. But yeah, it's going great. Locks just published today, so hit that up and chugging along. We're about halfway through the season. Let's go. Awesome. Well, we're going to jump into a hokey haiku here and
0: kick off our preview. But first of all, we got to talk about our friend, at the Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Virginia. Shout out to Dr. Lord Jeremy Counts at Hokie Farm. The man, the myth, the legend, and the king of Blacksburg. He will greet you with a smile. He will treat you like a neighbor, not a number, at the Main Street Pharmacy. Cares about Blacksburg and the Virginia tech community like no one else. Head on down to the Main Street Pharmacy today and Jeremy will take care of you. So, Sam, we have a Hokie Haiku it's submitted by our friend, Patrick Lawrence. Would you like to do the honors and read the, ha- the haiku this evening?
1: I would love to, but it hurts my heart a little bit because it hits home. It hits home. I look at my phone. Hokie Twitter is brutal. My, how times have changed. That is very true. How times have changed. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a sad
0: state of the fan base. It's a sad state of Hokie football. And my advice to you, if you are not on Twitter, don't get on Twitter, you know, hang out on Instagram or, you know, send some Snapchats. You might be on the TikTok these days, but Twitter is uh, it's it's a wild place, man. So be careful out there, Sam.
1: Wait a few weeks for basketball season. Usually the vibes are a bit more uh, loose for Virginia Tech basketball season. Things are pretty tight around football. I'm excited
0: for all of the memes. There will be multiple, multiple memes. Joe Rogers has already promised that he will be a savage or somewhat of a savage. My favorite meme when Virginia Tech wins against an ACC opponent and we flood the mentions of their Twitter account. I think my favorite one of all time is the one where it's the SpongeBob clip and it's the mailman delivering mail and oh he opens up the mailbox and all of a sudden landers Landers, nolly's head is in the mailbox
1: and the mailman freaks out he's like ah uh, we'll have to post it you know it's something that a lot of fan bases do especially for basketball where games are like on weeknights and no one has anything else to do but the way virginia tech fans have kind of rallied behind it it's gotten a lot of publicity i know barstool ran a story about it last year and like the fans really get into it. Even opposing teams are like, yeah, this is like their thing now. Like other fan bases do it, but they don't do it to the level that Virginia tech does. So shout out to Hokie nation. I got to give, a I give, excuse me. I can't speak
0: tonight. I got to give a shout out to Hokie, Dan, Hokie, Dan. He's a student and he actually rates them. He rates them on a scale and like a ranking process of the Hokie Twitter raids. And he has like a ranking system of, you know, Villanova win versus a Duke win, and which raid was the best, which one had the most replies.
1: It's pretty funny. so we'll have to uh, dial that up in a few weeks. Take care of business against Maine, and that'll be the most Twitter interaction that program's ever gotten. <laughs> yeah, we got <laughs> social media manager. We'll love it. Maine on November 9th. get your popcorn ready.
0: Get your popcorn ready for Hokie history. We got Hokey history. We got some storylines. I'm gonna give you the rundown. I might take a few breaths here, but Hokie history. We got the jackets on Saturday. This will be the 18th meeting between Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech, the Battle of the Techs. Virginia Tech has won 10 of those 17 contests, And for the longest time, the Battle of the Techs was, you know, more or less a fabled game. Uh, In 2021, it will not be. Both of these programs are three and four heading into the contest. The winner of the Battle of the Techs represented the ACC Coastal in the ACC championship every single year from 2005 to 2012. Uh, we did not play Georgia Tech last year, which was kind of an interesting wrinkle in the COVID 10 plus 1 schedule of 2020. Coach Justin Fuente is 1-3 against Georgia Tech. He started out 0-3. And, and then, if you guys all recall, 2019, back-to-back shutouts of Georgia Tech and Pittsburgh, to close out the regular season, uh, or I'm sorry, we lost to UVA. Yeah, that wasn't fun. But uh, he got the Georgia Tech monkey off of his back with a 45 nothing shutout in the most recent meeting in 2019 in Atlanta. It's the only time Coach Fuente and Coach Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech have squared off. Uh, one of the more uh, more historic games that I like to think about in this rivalry was the 2010 game where David Wilson broke one lay it. In the fourth quarter, it was a Thursday night game, if I do recall. I had a kick return TD, and uh, Rashad Carmichael sealed that game with an interception. The best Georgia Tech game that I have attended in person was the game in 2012. It was actually the first overtime game in Lane Stadium, Orange Effect. Logan Thomas was the quarterback. Dimitri Knowles had a uh, long touchdown reception that evening. Uh, Otherwise, a defensive struggle. But Cody Journal kicked us to victory, and Kyle Fuller had a clutch interception in that game, uh, Monday night, Labor Day. So, Sam, any Georgia Tech games that you attended that stand out to you in this Hokie history?
1: Well, you talked about the 2019 game. I actually think it was probably the most complete football game that a Justin Fuente team has played since the 2016 season. Uh, that was a really dominant performance. Georgia Tech was bad but really dominant performance. You know, personally for me and my family growing up as Hokies, the lightning game in 2000, the game that never happened. Um, I hear stories about that with my family to this day, about my granddaddy carrying my uh, my sister and I up the stairs from section 16. And you know, at the, you know, at that time, there weren't like cell phones or anything, like there were, but no one used them. So you were like, just kind of scrambling there. And apparently we were um, stayed some time inside of a concession stand for a little bit as the crowds were kind of ushered out very, very quickly uh, until we were able to get to our car. So I think that's the game that's kind of most memorable to me. Other than that, this has been a really tough series for both teams, a lot of back and forth, a lot of surprise games, a lot of really tough games. Um, This is definitely one of those like nuisance rivalry games, right? Like you just don't want to play Georgia Tech. No one looks forward to the Georgia Tech game in Blacksburg.
0: No one likes the wasp nest, you know, above their front door or in their garage. No one likes Georgia Tech. Shoe fly. Um, So some storylines here before we break down the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Homecoming at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech actually boasts a very impressive homecoming record they're like 57 and 18 on homecoming games but they haven't won in the last three years jeff collins enters his third season here at the helm as head coach he coached at temple in 27 and 2018 uh, before spending uh most of the last decade at mississippi state and university of florida as their defensive coordinator he is originally from georgia he played at western carolina and he's really building a culture here at Georgia Tech. Uh, Georgia Tech put together a 24th ranked recruiting class in 2020 and a top 20 class in 2021. Uh, these are both from what uh, Rivals.com has brought from a recruiting aspect uh, and also after accounting for transfers. But yeah, good recruiting either way. Yeah, either way. You know, The big stat that um, stood out to me was that Georgia Tech has added 18, four or five star recruits. And 13 of the 45 highest ranked recruits in their program history, according to 24-7 Sports. Since Jeff Collins has gotten here, you know, uh, just over two years ago, about, you know, 20 months ago, January 2019. Um, So that's pretty impressive. They've really started to build a brand around VA, uh, repping Atlanta. You know, Thomas Gary, if you guys remember him, he was on our recruiting staff at Virginia Tech for a handful of years before moving over to Georgia tech a few years ago. Um, you know, you can see on social media, they rep Atlanta. They are trying to build that brand for Georgia kids to stay home for Atlanta based talent to stay in the, uh, the confines of Atlanta and of Georgia tech. Jeff Collins is three and seven in home ACC games uh, over the last couple of years. Georgia tech is coming off of a 48 to 40 loss at UVA last week. Um, Sam was actually at that game, and we'll talk about that a little bit more, but uh, they mounted a comeback at the end of the game there. Virginia Tech comes into this game as the least penalized team in the NCAA. Um, We are only getting penalized uh, for 29 yards per game, and we, we have both the least amount of penalties and the least amount of penalty yards per game. Trey Turner comes into this game with 121 career catches. He's one catch away from tying Josh Morgan and five catches away from tying Ernest Wilford um, for, I believe, seventh and eighth on the all-time list. Trey, as of last week, has 2,032 receiving yards and needs 21 more receiving yards past Ernest Wilford for seventh on the list of receiving yards in hoagie history. This game here on Saturday is our first ACC road game since we played Louisville on Halloween last year. So it's kind of wild to think that it has been 364 days since the last time we went on the road in the ACC. Hopefully the result is similar to that Louisville game. Georgia Tech has alternated wins and losses in all seven of their games. Um, They are one of three teams in the FBS that has not won or lost consecutive games this year. So they're really just going back and forth between winning and losing every other week. Uh, That's a lot different than... What we've been dealing with, losing three in a row. The Georgia Tech roster features a ton of youngsters. These were some weird stats. Um, Only 13 guys on the Georgia Tech roster are seniors, but 18 guys on the roster have college degrees at this point. But eligibility-wise, Georgia Tech has 74 freshmen on this 123-person roster. I don't know how that's even possible. I know the COVID year definitely contributes to that. I know red shirting definitely contributes to that. Hashtag always be redshirting. Shout out Chris Coleman. But how the heck do you have 74 freshmen on your roster? I know that includes, you know, scout team and whatnot. That's kind of wild. Lastly, there are 12 members of this Virginia Tech team who are from the Peach State who hail from Georgia. Malachi Thomas, Taj Gary, Marco Lee, so our running backs, Lasita Smith, Cole Nelson, Christian Moss, John Parker Romo, Knox Kadem, Tay Daly, Jalen Griffin, and Deshaun Elder are all hailing from the Peach
1: State. And quick uh, thing about Jalen Griffin, he will be playing his two brothers again this year. Uh, His brothers Tyrone and Jaquan both play for Georgia Tech.
0: So wear your Gryffindor hats and scarves. The Griffins are back in town. All right, so we're going to start things off here with the Georgia Tech offense. Sam, what do you got for me uh, from the A down in the ATL?
1: Well, the one thing you talked about was how much better. Georgia Tech has been recruiting lately, and that definitely shows up on the offensive side of the ball. Not so much on defense. We'll get to that later, but I'll tell you what, on the offensive side of the football, they have athletes and they have guys who are good with the ball in their hands and they're good in space. Running back, they kind of just have a three-headed monster. They're going to run with multitude of guys and they're going to be really good at it. And yes, Jeff Sims is a running quarterback. He's a run first quarterback and he will hurt you. He has been really good running the football this year. However, throwing the football, it's not his forte. Uh, he doesn't seem super confident. Uh, he doesn't have a great offensive line. It's just not an offensive system that's built around a pocket passer. According to PFF, he has five turnover-worthy plays in four ACC games. That doesn't sound like a lot, but keep in mind, Braxton Burmeister has four turnover-worthy plays all season in seven games. So just kind of for comparison of the two quarterbacks. Sims is a little bit more turnover prone than Braxton Burmeister is. Uh, And, you know, we talked about running quarterbacks, Pat. It's been a thing. Talk about hokey history. Running quarterbacks have killed Virginia Tech in the past. And this is one that could kill him again. And he's really shifty. He'll run a lot of designed runs on the read option, he'll also scramble. But again, it's kind of that just combination of really good running backs and a good running quarterback that thinks going to give Virginia Tech some issues. And, And those running backs, they don't just do it in the running game, they do it in the passing game. They will run a lot of screens to their running backs, a lot. They killed UVA with it, they killed UNC with it, and they're going to look to kill Virginia Tech with it. That's something that Jay Hamm and the boys will have to be ready for. And again, when you're talking about a defensive line that's been a little on the slow side the last few games, uh, that's not good when you're having to kind of catch up to a screenplay. And I, just kind of rounding it out with the offensive line, they're very average. Um, they're not horrendous. They can run the ball a little bit in pass pro, they're pretty bad. They only have two guys rated over a 60 on PFF, and 60 is kind of considered the average baseline grade. So you know, Virginia Tech can win this game up front, at least Virginia Tech's defensive line can beat Georgia Tech's offensive line. I don't think Georgia Tech has a ton in terms of skill position guys at the wide receiver spot. They have some good players, but nothing to, you know, nothing that you would really worry about. We'll see if Jermaine Waller can play. I think if he can play, Virginia Tech's gonna feel a little bit more comfortable in pass uh, in pass defense but I, I don't see the Georgia tech offense throwing for 300 yards against the Virginia tech defense. It, if the Georgia tech offense is going to hurt you, it's going to be explosive plays in the running game.
0: Yeah. Which Virginia tech defense is going to show it's up horrific uh, cause, again. It's, cause yeah. we know, cause now we know that, uh, that they're not always going to come get off the bus, you know, for the entire four quarters. Um, Jeff Sims, 48 rushes, 320 yards for an average of 6.7 yards per carry. He's got four touchdowns on the ground. He's got a long of 50. Tore up Carolina on the ground early on in the season. Um, As far as in the passing game goes, Sims, he's a big guy. 6'3", 210, 77 of 124. He's actually only played in five games, by the way. Um, So he has nine touchdowns in five games, five interceptions, as Sam said. Uh, for 1091 yards had a really good game last week at virginia Uh, was 27 of 44 for 300 yards and three touchdowns with one interception but what we know about this virginia defense they are not the virginia tech defense as bad as we were last week
1: no virginia's defense is a a shame to the sport They are horrendous, but I'll tell you a lot of those yardage and completions, they came towards the very end of the game, which was wild. If you didn't watch it, Georgia tech recovered two late onside kicks and just UVA was in a prevent defense and really the whole game. He's better passing against a zone defense where he doesn't really have to fit into tight windows. He's very much still a high school passer. So if Virginia tech can kind of man up defensively, especially on the outside and make him throw into tight windows. That's not something he's comfortable with. So I think Georgia tech will struggle to be two dimensional offensively against Virginia tech. Will they have to be two dimensional? I think is a totally different question.
0: As far as, um, yeah, Sims, if you guys watched the highlights from that UVA game, you know, Sims is talented, but also just, from what I saw against Carolina earlier in the year, Jeff Sims is a guy who can completely take over the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was the ACC rookie of the week actually three times last year in 2020. Um, but he ran for 128 yards on 10 carries against Carolina and was 10 of 13 for 112 through the air. Was efficient through the air, but really took over the game and honestly played a better game than Sam Howell, um, Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's defense sacked Sam Howell eight times. So that definitely had a, uh, a contributing factor on the other side of the ball. But uh, as far as wide receivers for Georgia Tech, just some names to look out for. They do have four wide receivers on their team who have over 200 yards receiving on the year. Malachi Carter is their leading receiver. Uh, he averages 15.6 yards per catch. And then Kyrick McGowan is really a guy to watch out for, kind of a uh, a threat in the red zone. He has 6 touchdowns for uh Georgia Tech. Jameer J- Gibbs uh, is another talented um receiver who will catch balls in the backfield as a running back because he's he's their starting running back. He has 21 receptions, 320 yards. Kind of like what we want Raheem Blackshear to be. Exactly
1: those- same type of player.
0: Yeah. yeah, mirror image of Raheem Blackshear. Exactly. Like Gibbs, you'll see Gibbs in the special team uh, you know, wrinkled in the special teams, which we'll talk about later, but, um, yeah, McGowan's got six receiving touchdowns on the year. He's definitely going to be the
1: biggest threat in the red zone. So, so what you text offense. And if this sounds dumb, Pat, tell me I sound dumb. <laughs> and this is really led by Jeff Sims. It's kind of the whole offense. They're the type of offense that will look really, really good. If the defense isn't on their game like they're not going to give it to the defense. If the defense isn't playing at a hundred percent and they're not locked in, these guys can run all over you. They have the athletes, but if the defense is locked in, they seem to really struggle to beat guys like mano, Imano. like they're not going to, you're not going to play your best and get their best. Like that's not what they've shown so far in the last two years with these kind of young players. So if Virginia tech comes out defensively and plays you know, and we'll talk about this in case of the game, but if they play even a mediocre game compared to what we've seen this season, I think they'll be okay. Let's hope
0: for that. So <laughs> let's move on over to the uh, the Georgia Tech defense. Talk to us about last week as far as from what you saw with your own
1: eyes. Brennan Armstrong looked like he was playing NCAA 14 against them. I mean, they are not good. They're bad. Guys were running wide open for UVA. They were missing tackles. There wasn't a whole lot of pressure on Brennan Armstrong. He had a lot of room to run and scramble. They didn't look good defending him scrambling. And Burmeister's a better athlete than Brennan Armstrong. So that could be a key to the Virginia Tech offense is just scrambling. Um, gosh, I mean, they just, they're not good. I went over this in the locks of Saturday. I gave some more of the advanced analytics, but they basically don't rank in the top 100 in any advanced defensive category that I can find. <laughs> they're they're horrendously bad. Um, if Virginia Tech can't score 30-plus against this defense, um, I will be... It will be... I'll tell you this. If Virginia Tech can't score more points like this is they're basically playing middle Tennessee States defense statistics wise. Like they are, they are. And all of these guys are like 18 and 19 years old.
0: They they do have the youngsters. We did talk about the youngsters. 97th overall in total defense is what I saw um, on one, one account. They're surrendering 418 yards a game. Brandon Armstrong. Yeah. The NCAA 14. I mean, these are some NCA 14 stats right here. 29 of 43, 396 yards through the air, four touchdowns, and then he ran for another two scores and 99 yards on the ground on 12 carries. And this is taking into account that Georgia Tech had uh two onside kick recoveries in the fourth quarter. So Brennan Armstrong very well could have gone for, you know, 550, 600 yards by himself last week, which is uh
1: just absurd. That's that's an impressive offense, though. Like we'll we'll give it to UVA. They are an impressive offensive football team.
0: Yeah, I think they have a, a top five offense right now, which is kind of wild to think about. And hats off to them for developing Brennan Armstrong to be able to throw for you know three fifty plus yards a game. I mean, they've really done a good job over there. Um, Georgia Tech, their defense has less than two sacks a game which is kind of interestingly skewed in itself because they sacked Sam Howell eight times. So I'm wondering how that even is possible. And again, uh, the UNC offensive line, I know we had our way with the UNC offensive line, but um, I guess that was more so their fault to our, uh, to our skill there uh, from that first, first game back in September. So as far as special teams go or let me just jump into uh I guess a couple more guys to to look out for or notable folks on the defense here um at Georgia Tech on their defense defensive line they have Jared Ivy he has one and a half sacks uh Kyle Kennard, two sacks. and then just one one or two sacks here just sprinkled over the rest of their defense you know. I guess their defense actually does not deserve that much uh, that much press here, Sam, because there is not much to talk about. You're not going to see any of these guys popping up on an all-ACC ballot. No,
1: like we talked about with the recruiting, a lot of that has been skewed to the offensive side of the football. And I think they're struggling a bit to kind of come up with a defensive identity in this Jeff Collins era. That's going to take a little bit of time, I think, to iron out. So this is a team that has offensively, I think fully recovered from the triple option. I think they have their identity. They have their athletes. They've recovered defensively. I don't think they have recovered from that regime change yet. And it might be, I mean, it might be a few years because I don't really see them getting a lot of highly touted defensive football players into their program. So we're
0: going to flip the page over to, Sons of special teams. We mentioned this already a few times, but Jude Kelly, their kicker, ACC specialist of the week with back-to-back successful onside kicks last week to mount the comeback. But Sam, you were telling me that it was more so UVA's fault of how they were lining up than, than Georgia Tech.
1: Yeah, it was really weird. So what Georgia Tech was doing is they were obviously needed to onside kick. And then they were lining up like a regular kickoff though. So what UVA was doing is basically lining everybody up 10 yards away and then had like one guy deep. And then Georgia Tech would take the left side of their kickoff coverage unit and motion, half of those guys to the right-hand side. And UVA just stood there. Now, right after Georgia Tech did that the first time, Bronco Mendenhall took a timeout. So he takes a timeout. Teams come back on. Georgia Tech does the same thing. UVA doesn't move. Georgia Tech pooches that ball down, downfield, kind of downs it. They go and do the same thing after their next score. Onside kick it. UVA doesn't motion. They don't get into an onside kick cover, uh, receiving unit. And Georgia Tech is able to recover on the sidelines. Georgia Tech goes down and scores. Georgia Tech does the same thing again. And UVA doesn't do a thing, and they get it's literally was deja vu. I have never seen anything like that. Um, it baffles me. It makes me wonder if Bronco Mendenhall had the over for that game. I don't know what was going on, but in credit to Georgia Tech, because there's a lot of execution that has to go on in that scenario to even just kick the ball that way and be able to stay on side and not touch it till it goes in yards. So credit to George tech, but that was really weird from UVA. I don't think I've ever seen that in high level football.
0: Now I didn't see this game. I don't know how many UVA fans were even there, but were the UVA fans freaking out? And was it
1: kind of funny? Well, the funny thing is, that was probably the best crowd UVA has had. And I go to UVA games for work, not for pleasure, but that was the best crowd that UVA has had all year. And they were pretty into it at the start. They're killing them at halftime. So a lot of the students leave. And then UVA was up 21. Everyone's left. So there might be 9,000, 8,000 people in the stands. And Georgia Tech just keeps scoring. It was it was incredible. It was a um, it would have been an all time crazy moment in downtown Charlottesville. Everyone checking their phones if Georgia Tech was able to pull that off.
0: If only, if only. All right. So um, more more uh, special teams notes. They are ninety six in net punting this year, thirty seven yards per punt. Uh, not as good as our guy Peter Moore who is kicking the snot out of the ball this season. The Georgia Tech starting place kicker is named Brent Somalia. I actually grew up with a Somalia family in Basking Ridge. Shout out to, to Dave, Liz, Kelly, and Dan. But Brent Somalia, I don't know if he's a cousin or not. He's 22 of 23 on extra points. He's 9 of 12 on the year. Perfect on anything up to 39 yards. And that's when it's it when it gets a little shaky. Um, anything over 40, he is 0 of 3. He has hit a long of 34 this year. So at least we won't have to worry about Brent Somalia. But you know, then again, I was going to say, up until the Syracuse game this past week, every kicker has really fared pretty well against us. And then uh, former Lou
1: Groza award winner. Syracuse it really kicker. does seem like, Virginia Tech has some of the worst field goal luck, which is a, st- a statistic that's kept. Uh, I don't have the number in front of me, but I've, I've seen multiple places that Virginia Tech has some of the worst field goal luck <laughs> over the past like decade of any college program. Yeah, of course we do. All
0: right, so um, Jameer, I believe Jameer Gibbs is also their guy on kick returns as well. Yep. You know he, he's a he's a decent kick returner. Nothing to really write home about. Um, but yeah, so we're going to move right along here into keys to the game, Sam, give me your keys to the game. You know, we got, we got two football teams here that are, you know, above average, below average, average. I mean, we're three and four, we're, we're under 500. So are the jackets, give me your keys to the game of how to contain and, and beat a, uh,
1: a team that's not that great either. Well, you know, it's obviously we can say things like penalties, turnovers, things like that. I would say X's and O's wise, the number one thing for Virginia Tech is gap integrity and tackling good, good old fashioned form tackling. This was something that killed them against Notre Dame and it lost them the game against Syracuse. Like if you could point to one thing, gap integrity from the linebackers and safeties and overall tackling is what lost them the game. You know, I'm not super into calling out individual players. So I just want to use these kind of as examples. But I mean, these guys know that they need to play better more than anybody else on planet Earth right now. But if you look at the game against Syracuse, PFF tackling grades, Dax Hollifield had to 55.6. That's well below average. Jalen Griffin. Alan Tisdale, your starting middle linebacker who played 79 snaps, had a 44.3. That can't happen. You're not going to beat anybody tackling like that. Over the course of the year, Virginia Tech's been a decent tackling team. They have a tackling rate of 72.5, which is seventh in the ACC. So pretty mediocre, not great, but also not bad enough to really be a major issue. So, if Virginia Tech gets that right, I think that's part of it. The next part of it is the safeties, playing better football all around, not only in pass coverage, but also in run gaps. Tay Daly had a pretty good game, graded out at 68.9 on PFF against Syracuse. If he continues to play well, I feel a lot better, but it's the other guys around. Jamari Connor, not really a safety, but kind of fits that mold. He was below average, 57.6. Keonta Jenkins. Nasir Peoples, who's played really well this year, was a 48.3. Like, guys just didn't play well. Guys who normally play well weren't playing well. And I think you can't let that carry over to the Syracuse game, right? Like, you have to watch the film, learn from it on Sunday, and then when Monday morning hits – it's all got to be about Georgia Tech. You cannot let it carry over because if that poor tackling and poor gap integrity carry over, Virginia Tech is going to have a four-game losing streak.
0: Speaking of Nasir peoples, I was looking up some of our tackling stats and it looks like he now leads the team in tackling. And we talked about this early on in the year about how Jamari Connor led the team in tackling last year and how we're going to need to see Dax and Alan Tisdale step up this year in the middle because, you know, if Shamari Conner is leading the team in tackles, that means running backs. And, and you know, a lot of the time quarterbacks are getting through the second line and uh, the third line is going to need to make the stop. Nasir Peoples leading the team in tackling right now is not a good sign. So we need to see more tackling from the second line of our defense. Uh, And I think, I think Sam definitely just made that
1: clear there. Nasir peoples laid a guy out against Syracuse. I forget when it was, but he had a, he had a great hit. I believe it was on Sean Tucker uh, in that game. So Nasir peoples is, he's going to be a fun one to watch.
0: Yeah. I'm excited to see his development over the years. I know he, you know, just to see him get a lot of meaningful playing time this year, Um, you know, he, he has some elements of this game that he's going to need to improve, but, um, you know, at the same time, it's good to see him from a tackling perspective all over the field. Um, for me, obviously we can't have the defense that showed up last week show up again against Georgia tech. Um, this is a, you know, an offense that has some weapons. It's a little different than the Syracuse offense. Um, but still have the threat of the running quarterback. Can you contain the running quarterback? Um, get, can you get pressure on the quarterback as well? I know that's that's something that we've been disappointed in over the course of the years, just being thin on the defensive line and not being able to put adequate pressure on the passer and force him to make mistakes. Georgia Tech allows just over two sacks a game. You know, can we get in the backfield? Can we disrupt? Can we get some tackles for loss, you know, whether it's tackling Jeff Sims or tackling the running backs in the backfield on the offensive side of the ball, establish the run. I know, uh, I know it's like, we almost have a new identity at this point, considering we have a guy named Malachi Thomas who ran for over 150 yards last week and three touchdowns, you know, put the ball in that guy's hands, assuming he's uh, he's ready to go this week. It's amazing to see how, productive our run game was when we stuck with one or two guys and not, you know, not having a committee where three different guys are getting
1: carries or sometimes even four different guys. He got a feel for the game. He got warmed up. He learned tendencies. He's a quick, he runs almost exactly like Khalil Herbert.
0: Yeah. Like I, I think, um, I think he had just a tremendous coming out party last week and, you know, Seeing consistency there in front of his home crowd because he is from Georgia would be incredible. I don't know. Do you know what was Lee Suggs from Virginia? Was he from Georgia? I've also heard the Lee Suggs comparisons with Malachi Thomas. I see you doing some googling over there. Um, but yeah, Malachi Thomas, feed him the ball. Give him give him fifteen carries. Like you know, is he is he ready for twenty carries a game? Just based on his stature, no. I mean, the guy was literally at prom. Six months ago. Billy likes saying that, so I'm going to say
1: it again. Um, any any feedback on Lee Suggs, Sam? Lee Suggs. I, I'm i actually, I knew this, but I just wanted to double check, uh, especially considering some claims I made earlier in the podcast that were probably cut out about Dimitri <laughs> Null. Sorry, Dimitri. Um, he's a Roanoke guy.
0: Oh, I knew that. William I, Fleming High School. I knew that. Lee Suggs. the fighting
1: colonels of William Fleming high school Lisa, oh. you know, he does. It's it's, he's a very decisive runner, like a little bit patient in the backfield and boom, he'll make one cut and he'll always finish forward. And I think yeah. that's something that Khalil Herbert did really, really well. Exactly. And kind of something that we've been missing this year. So
0: yeah, get the ball, get the ball to Malachi Thomas. Let's, Continue that, as they say, feed the hot hand. Uh, Raheem Blackshear also had a terrific game last night or last week. Would love to see more of him, uh, you know, busting out in the run game. He averaged 7.8 yards per carry, um, you know, but let's get him ball, the ball in the passing game as well. I mentioned this on our post-game podcast against Syracuse. Trey Turner, Tavion Robinson, and Raheem Blackshear got the ball. It combined three to, uh, six times, six times, all three of them combined um, in the receiving game that cannot happen for this team to win ball games. Um, you know, for, for as, as many weapons we have in the passing game, we need to get the ball in their hands more. You know, a lot of that has to do with the quarterback, getting them the ball. So Braxton, you know, need a good game from Braxton. I know he's been banged up all year, um, but he's going to have to contribute for us to, to have a good game, but this defense again is not good. So we should be able to move the ball. All right, letters from the lunch pail, and then we'll finish up with score predictions and Sharky shout-outs. Letters from the lunch pail. Grant Watson says, over-unders, he's back. Sean Tucker, rushing yards, 140 so we're reviewing the Syracuse game. Sean Tucker had 100. I was going to say, please
1: tell me you don't have to play him again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sean Tucker has entered the
0: portal and he's going to show up on Saturday. Under so so these over unders were kind of funny because Grant submitted them and if and if I would have told you that Sean Tucker under would have hit Virginia Tech points scored over would have hit and Virginia Tech total yards over would have hit, you would have told me Virginia Tech wins this ball game. Um, but unfortunately, that's not how it goes. But he the said- TSL
1: guys said it in their review. They were, it was like five minutes and they were just like, if you would have said all of this to us before the Syracuse game, it would have been tech in a landslide. And it just, what a weird game. What a weird game. Like everything just flipped on its head. If it's not one thing, it was the other messing up. But man, what a, what a disappointing and weird game that was. I know. I hate. I hate that we. I
0: hate some Grant. uh, Grant. I love the over unders. I hate that we have to rehash, rehash (laughs) the game when we do the uh, review of the over unders. Maybe we'll start doing this uh, in our post game pod instead, so we can bury the hatchet. Uh, his bonus question was, will Sean Tucker be pleased with his performance after the game on Twitter? Sean Tucker was pleased with his performance. He even said, finally, an ACC win because it was their
1: first ACC
0: win in 11 games.
1: which is Easy high. guy to root for. Be easy guy to root for. He seems very wholesome and uh, seems like a great teammate and stuff like that. So good for
0: him. I did take some pictures of Sean Tucker uh, when he was standing up. They did Unity Week last week, and when they were all huddled on the sideline, I, you know, embracing arms, I got Sean Tucker was like right in front of us, so I took a picture of him. Um, and he had a great game. All right, over unders for this week: Malachi Thomas rushing yards, sixty-five. Over.
1: What I'm you- gonna hammer that over.
0: I think he's gonna get 15 carries. I mean. I think this Georgia Tech defense is not good enough to keep him under 65 yards. I Um, think
1: he could have a big run and be over 100. Yeah. From what we've seen from Georgia Tech's defense, yeah. You
0: know, he's a new back that can break a 35 plus yard run. You know, he did it twice last week. Um, Jameer Gibbs, rushing yards over under 100. Sam.
1: I'm going to go 100. Georgia Tech does a little bit more running back by committee, quarterback likes to run. I think Tech will keep try to keep the ball away from Georgia Tech. I think the, you'll see a little bit more of the uh, UNC game plan. Um, so I'm going to go under here. He very well could have a very good game, but I don't know if he gets to the century mark just because they're going to have multiple guys running for Georgia Tech.
0: Yeah, just based on trends, he has not, um, you know, he, he has only – it's a couple yards over four hundred yards the entire year um I don't see it this week Virginia Tech passing attempts twenty seven. over or under Sam I know I know what you're gonna say
1: I mean, but is this like a is this a joke like under Burmeister's averaging about twenty seven per game so I'm guessing where that's where the twenty seven came from um Look, it's if Virginia Tech is throwing the ball more than 27 times, that's because the game isn't going well, right? I don't think you'll see Braxton Burmeister throw the ball that much at all. Um, I just don't... After what happened last week where he was, I think, like one for 10 in the second half at one point, like I just don't think... I don't think the players on offense would believe that the coaches were calling the plays to put them in position to win if Burmeister goes out there and throws 27-plus times. I don't, think they will, I don't think they'll do that.
0: I'd be very interested to see, one, is Coach Fuente still on the first-team offense this week? Yep. You know, Is that happening again? Or is he going back over to the scout team offense so he can have eyes on the defense and say, hey, guys, what the hell were we doing last week? Yeah, um, yeah, to that sentiment, though, the way that we ran the ball last week, if we can continue to do that, you know, and run for over 250 yards on the ground, we shouldn't need, you know more than 25 passes from Braxton. You know he only had 20 last week. I also am going to take the under here. Um, all right, Hokie Diddler. Are we packing any left-handed footballs for the Georgia Tech game? I'm a little confused by the question. You is know it what?
1: A joke. I, I am too. I. Uh, my initial thought was, oh, is is he talking about like for Taj Bullock? Like, but I don't. Taj is a right-handed thrower, correct?
2: Taj is so, a right-handed
1: thrower, and then there's also
0: okay. Is this a Halloween joke? Because you know, if you recall that Georgia Tech Thursday night game, I believe it was in 2007 where Tech went down there and Cam Chancellor, Brandon Flowers. Tyrod Taylor and Sean Glennon's jerseys were all stolen. And uh from the locker room, they can they can take those shoulder striped
1: jerseys that we have. They can take them.
0: Yeah. It, you know, if we go and we we pop out some white throwbacks this week, those Georgia Tech students might want to steal those too because they're gonna look good. But um, you know, if you guys recall, I, I should have talked about this in Hokie history. Um, you know, those four guys uh had to use Georgia Tech practice jerseys or jerseys from previous seasons. They had the Russell athletic logo on there and they had to draw on a Nike logo and draw chancellor
1: and and Taylor and, you know, right on the back, which is hilarious all time college football moment. I'll pretend that this is asking, you know, will we see any Taj Bullock? Um, there is the opportunity. I think if Brax, if Virginia tech needs to throw the football and Braxton Burmeister, either physically, Cannot do it with his shoulder or isn't performing well. I don't think anything's off the table. I think they showed by, I mean, look what they did last week. They benched a senior and Jalen Holston and put in a freshman running back. Like they're willing to do it. Um, I do think, however, they would feel more comfortable in this game going with Knox Katum. Not only is Knox Katum a Atlanta guy from Rome, Georgia, home, oh. but I think he they would have a little bit more. A little bit more faith in him to feel more comfortable with the offense and hand the ball off, run those screens, get the ball out of his hands. Um, it would be a better recipe for immediate success. I don't think you'll see Bullock, but I also don't think that I don't think that we will go the entire season without seeing Taj Bullock. I'll put it that way. I think you could see him get some snaps at some point the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, I know. And we are approaching the um the mark where Taj Bullock could play in four games and not have to burn a red shirt as well. Um so you yeah, know that's always a possibility. Um VT00 Murdoch. I have not seen Georgia Tech play all season. Thoughts on the real tech, thoughts on the real tech's defense containing the Braves athlete Sims. How many carries do you expect Virginia Tech to have? Seems like they should have been a running oriented team all year. So I think containing Jeff Sims is really going to be one of the biggest parts of this game. Do I think tech can contain him? I think we're going to have challenges doing that. Um, It really just depends which Virginia tech defense shows up. You know, can we, can we roll out that same defense that we had uh, against Carolina and how we contain Sam Howell? Um, you know, if we bring out that defense, the answer is yes. If, if we bring out the defense from last week, the answer will be no. How many carries do you expect Virginia Tech to have? Probably over 40. What do you yep. think? Somewhere, you know, between 35 and 45?
1: Yeah, I think you could see something where Virginia Tech's like 70% rush, 30% pass, uh, depending on how the game goes out. I think that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean,
0: this – this team, as as Mike McDaniel said last week, Virginia Tech offense does not have an identity. Syracuse came in and they did have an identity, and now Virginia Tech might be finding an identity. Might be a little too late, but um, you know, a guy like Malachi Thomas could could change the uh, the way the rest of the year goes here. So, we're going to jump into score predictions. Brought to you by the Chesapeake Center for Complete Dentistry. Score predictions. That make us smile. Hopefully, we're smiling after this one uh, when we wake up on Sunday morning. I just smiled when you said that. can't (laughs) see it. It's a podcast, but
1: I just smiled when you said
0: that. Exactly. The game is televised by RSN. We kick off on Saturday at noon. Georgia Tech is a three and a half point favorite. Stat of the day. I saw this in the notes, and I thought this was another good storyline, but I, I saved it for this just because that was a very interesting stat. Georgia Tech is six and three against Virginia Tech on Saturdays and one in seven on weeknights. I know most of those games came on Thursday nights, but there were some Monday nights
1: sprinkled in there. You know what? Virginia Tech built a brand for winning on weeknights, and that's because they had a coaching staff that really prepared guys for weeknight games better than other coaching staffs, and they abused the Georgia Tech football program with that year after year. Uh, yeah. I mean, this has been a really close series and they haven't played a lot of weeknight games as much lately. And I think that's why you see Georgia tech six and three on weekdays because a lot of those wins have come recently, I believe, but yeah, what a wild, wild stat. I would love Virginia tech to play more weeknight games. I think it gets some, the television exposure that they clearly are not getting because of the you know 17 sports bars across the state of Virginia that'll be televising this game. If you need to go watch the game, go to your local s- sports bar, support local, they'll have it on. Yeah, RSN. I'm hoping I have it on here
0: in Charlotte on my YouTube TV. Otherwise, I'm going into uptown and joining the Halloween bar crawl and hopefully one of the sports bars up there has it. But um all right, Sam,
1: give me your score prediction for Saturday. Well, on the Locks of Saturday podcast, I was one of two out of the six people that picked Virginia Tech to cover the three and a half point spread. I feel pretty confident that Georgia Tech is not as good as Syracuse. And I also feel pretty confident that it took an abysmal, abysmal performance from the Virginia Tech defense for Virginia Tech to lose close to Syracuse. I will say Virginia Tech wins this one. If I have to pick a score, I'm going to go uh, something like do, 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 probably like 34-24, something like that. I think this could be a game where you see Virginia Tech get out to a big enough lead to start where they can kind of run the ball and kind of control the second half of the game. Um that's kind of the ideal scenario. That's a very optimistic view as well. Um, I could very much also see Georgia Tech just running up and down this Virginia Tech defense and Tech losing this game by 14, 17 points. Like, that's the possibility. But I'm going to really hope that the Virginia Tech defense does not perform like they did against Syracuse.
0: I'm going to stamp that. Yeah. You know, looking at this game, you have... Two programs that, you know, are just fighting for some type of relevance in the coastal at this point in the season. But Virginia Tech has a team that has lost three games in a row. They have a coach that is most likely, I mean, you lose a fourth, you lose a fourth game in a row, like you might not have a job on Monday. Um, I think that honestly gets factored into this equation here. Um, you got a lot of guys on this roster who were there in 2019 for the 45, nothing shutout. You know, they've won in this stadium before. I think that factors in a little bit as well. Um, I, you know, on this podcast, I came in and said we were going to lose to Pittsburgh and that happened. And I also predicted a loss last week against Syracuse. And that also happened too, but I think we're going to, it's time to turn it around and, you know, I, I don't I think it'd be difficult to see a team lose four games in a row, especially in the fashion that they've lost four games in a row. But you're right, like you, you could also see Georgia Tech winning this game by double digits. Uh, I do have a feeling though that Tech is going to cover and win outright. So they're going to score first if they're going to do that, they're, if they're going to win this game, they need to score first, I should say. Um, but I'm going to predict 30 to 21 Virginia Tech in Atlanta on Saturday. Um, I actually have already thrown. Some money on it. Uh, I took the money line. It was like plus 165. I'm just like, I think, I think I, I smell out a win here.
1: Uh I betting or betting the numbers, not the team from that perspective. Virginia Tech's a good bet. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will also say this. Uh, I don't want to come on and you know, speculate about coaching hires, coaching firings, you know, that's an off-season podcast. We're not there yet, guys. That's an off-season thing. But I will say this. I think if there's a coach on the Virginia Tech staff that is, quote unquote, coaching for their job, I would say it would be Justin Hamilton. Like Justin Hamilton has something to prove in these next few games. And he has a defense with veterans. He has a defense with really talented guys that need to step up. And quite honestly, schematically and preparation wise, he knows he needs to step up. So I think that could be a little bit of that motivating factor that maybe fans don't really see, but kind of internally, like they say in baseball, in the clubhouse, like in that locker room, in those meeting rooms, people know what's going on. Justin Hamilton knows what's going on. He's a really smart guy. (laughs) He knows it. And I think he knows that this is a really big opportunity for his defense to get better and look really good towards the end of the season because they have games against teams that they can shut down talent-wise. Like they're more talented than Duke and they're more talented than Georgia tech and they're more talented than Boston college.
0: Yeah. I think that's a great point. Um, and I think, I really hope that Jermaine Waller is back this week because he's, he's a difference maker. You know, when he's on the field, Virginia tech plays a good football. Um, but yeah, no good point there, Sam. So we're going to wrap up here with sharky shout outs, Sam, I will let you kick it off. Anything you got going on, anyone, or anything you want to plug, uh, you know. Here you go.
1: Shout go out ahead. to the crew for Locks of Saturday, who has putting in an astronomical amount of work every week uh, to get you know the research that goes into it, the effort it takes to record a ninety-minute podcast late at night. Um, it's really been phenomenal this year, and we've seen great listenership and great interaction. So hit us up on Twitter. We're at Locks of Saturday. Uh, You can also follow me on Twitter at Sam of Saturday. Uh, Just hit us up there. Interaction. It's super fun. Even if you're not into betting, it's a great way to preview games from across the country. This week, we cover Virginia BYU. We cover Michigan, Michigan state, some great matchups. So definitely hit that up. Um, The best part about this, Pat, I I know you'll agree with this. The best part is interaction from other Hokies and even your fans of different schools has been over the past I guess for me, year and a half has been—that's been such a rewarding part of all of this.
0: And Sam, you know, not to brag on you here, but you are—you uh, are over five hundred for the year. Sam Jesse is twenty-three and seventeen for the year. Robert Irby also boasting that same record, and Brett Smith is in first place currently
1: this year. Brett, Brett has made a fair amount of coin on his personal card as well. I'm not doing as well overall but on the show where we seek out the hardest games to pick i am somehow doing better but that's how this thing works that's what makes it fun brett smith
0: 24 and 16 if i was on locks of saturday i think i would I, it would not be good i would not be uh posting any good scores here um so i'll leave that to to, to you guys the uh, the experts any other shout outs here
1: sam uh shout out malachi thomas you have potential young man. If you're listening to this, you have potential to be a big star in a small mountain town. So stick with it, head on your shoulders. Um, I'm really excited for some of the young guys in this program, regardless of what's happening all around. Uh, he's one of the bright spots, at least what we saw last week. I hope it continues.
0: Yeah. Love Malachi Thomas. And, uh, I guess I'll give a shout out to all of the Hokies making the trip down to Atlanta this Saturday or this Friday, or whenever you're heading on down, drive safely, fly safely, have a ton of fun. That's a game that is on my bucket list. I still have never been to Bobby Dodd. Um, we'll have to pencil it in for 2023. Hopefully um, did not want to go see Virginia tech lose on the road for the eighth consecutive time. So if we get the win, on Saturday, you are welcome, everyone. Um, I will continue to abstain from attending road games. I think that's my only shout-out. Uh, I'll have some more shout-outs after this Georgia Tech game on um, on our Sunday post-recording podcast. We'll record Sunday night because none of us are traveling this weekend, which will be awesome. But that's it for now. Uh, for Sam Jesse out in Richmond. Excuse me, Sam. Sorry for the uh, the Charlottesville mishap. I'm Pat Finn in Charlotte, North Carolina. Thanks for listening to some Saturday and beat Georgia Tech. See you guys.
2: It's time to wander, tripping in the sand. We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand by. I saw you dance like you want to in my head. Love, she said it is. Oh, I know what you're thinking.